Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Where's all the prayer and fasting warriors in this place? Man, you guys are incredible. You know, we had almost 200 people every night in this place praying and fasting. And some of my friends are like, you got 200 people to pray and fast? And I was like, I didn't get 200 people to pray and fast. God got 200 people to pray and fast. They want to see change. And, uh, man, it was just a great three days. How many of you guys got some breakthrough? Wave your hand at me. You got some breakthrough. Come on. Yeah. And uh, I hope it, it's, a, it's a new discipline uh, that you implement into your, your walk with God because um, fasting and prayer breaks things that, that some other things just can't break. And it just positions you closer to the Father, to hear the Father. And so, man, we're grateful for a church that comes together fasting I, honestly I was blown away by it I was like man look at everybody go in and uh, that just kind of shows you where the health of our church is and so I'm, I'm excited about our future anybody excited about our future here at Restoration Life it's good um, if you're new to Restoration Life we're just a church that loves like Jesus and feels like family and uh, if you're looking for a, a family to belong to, welcome home this morning. Anybody here for your very first time, just raise your hand. Maybe just raise your hand, your very first time here. Hey, welcome, good to have you with us. Anybody on this side, hey, welcome, good to have you with us. Honored to have you with us. Anybody on the balcony new up there, you guys? No, everybody's uh, local, local, local. Uh, everybody's watching online, it's an honor to have you with us. Of course, ATL watches us in the first service because our time is a little bit different. Um, but it's good to have everybody together. Uh, we've been in a series entitled Dominion. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been going in on, on having dominion over our flesh uh, so that we can walk in the spirit. And um, I just had this message resonating, resonating in my heart about um, what Pastor Benny talked about on Monday night. He said, you know, for all Man Up Monday. How many enjoyed Man Up Monday? We had over 200 men in this place. Uh, I told the merch team to put out the Children's Church t-shirts for all the men that didn't show up to man up. You can pick up a free Children's Church t-shirt out there. No, I'm just playing. I'm playing. No, I'm not. <laughs> There's a reason why we call it Man Up Monday. Because uh, we, need, we need men to man up. Lead their families. Come on. Lead our community. Lead in the church. There are too many church, listen, I thank God for the women of every church, right? I thank God uh, because when men won't lead, women will. Come on. So I thank God for women that will. But I want you to know that there is a remnant of men at Restoration Life that are rising up. And I love what God's doing through our men's ministry. And uh, man, I'm excited about all our men. Our, our, our men are diehards, man. They, I love them. Um, but predominantly around the nation, women lead. Honestly, that's just the truth. Women lead in the church, and um, I just believe that, that men need to take their place. And this is not a machismo thing. This is a kingdom thing, right? And so I'm excited about what God's doing through our men's ministry. Our men are killing it. I love you guys. You guys are tough enough for me to poke, poke at you a little bit. So we like to keep it real here at Restoration Life Church. But the T-shirt's there for those of you who didn't come on Monday night. <laughs> 
I, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of Pastor Benny's message on Monday night where he said um, that this could be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. That's what he said on Monday night. He kind of kicked off the service that way. And it just kind of resonated with what I wanted to talk to you guys today because I, I just really believe that if it is going to be your best year, then you got to give God dominion over this year. You got to give God dominion over this year. If it is going to be your best year spiritually, then you got to give God dominion in your plans, in your future, in your workings, in your time. And um, we're going to look at some stuff today and then come back to it um, next time I minister. Um, but I, I hope that this mes message resonates with you. For those of you that are watching online, welcome home. It's good to have you guys online. Um, but we've been talking about dominion. And I just really believe that dominion is knowing who you are in Christ and understanding that in each of us there is a released power to walk in God's promises over our present and our future. And I do believe that God has given his church dominion in the spiritual realm and even in the, spirit, in the physical realm if we walk in alignment to his word and his purpose. And so again, today we're gonna look at giving God dominion over our future. And um, I'm reminded of a portion of scripture and I don't know if the guys will have it up on the screen behind me, but um, it's, 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 one of, one of, it's one of my life scriptures. I have just a, a, a small pocket of life scriptures that I, I think that are just really good to live by. I mean, the whole word of God is good to live by, but there's some things that just always resonating and it's always reminding me um, on a daily basis, like when I, when I get distracted, because we live in a very distracted culture, right? We're just constantly being distracted. And, and um, if, if we're going to, if we're going to give God dominion, then we're going to have to focus in on Jesus. And I remember where Jesus said in Matthew 6, I believe it says, to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, walking in alignment, being right with the Father. And then all these things will be added unto you. Now, what are all these things? All these things are things that we all need to survive, right? We all need food to survive. I think we all need shelter, right, a home to live in. Um, we all need clothes, praise God. We all need clothes. Uh, we, all, we all need, you know, transportation, and we all need, you know, income and all these things. And, and Jesus makes it very clear. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Right, his will, his purpose for your life. Um, and, and making sure that you're walking in alignment with him, right, in righteousness. Um, and then everything else will be added unto you. So there's a priority to, that God puts to our lifestyle that, that he's got to be first. And um, let, me, let me just say this, that there's nothing wrong with building businesses, um, creating um, different revenue streams. There's nothing wrong with, you know, living, you know, having nice things. And let me, let me just say this. Our, our, our church doesn't have a poverty mentality. Our church has a blessed mentality. Because we've been blessed to be a blessing, right? And so it's a spiritual thing, not necessarily a monetary thing. So whenever I see people in our church winning and getting blessed and attaining things, um, I celebrate that. I don't. I don't like bark at it. I'm like, oh, look at that. Who do they think they are? You know, like, like I, I'm like, hey, man, God bless them. Celebrate that. We, we celebrate other people's wins, right? We, we, we are like, man, that's awesome because their win is our win and our win is their win. And, and so I love seeing people bless as long as God is first in their lives. As long as Jesus is first, 
and I see you walking in blessing, I'm like, man, I celebrate that. But the moment I see people walking in monetary gain and Jesus is nowhere to be found in their life, that's a problem. That's a problem. And so, so don't get it twisted. I love seeing people get blessed. I, I love seeing people have nice things. I love see, seeing people buy properties and, again, just their business is taking off. I love seeing people get blessed. And I celebrate that with them. I do. I, I have that heart. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Let's go, Jesus. I'm, I'm never that person who's like, well, well, what's wrong with you? How come we don't have that? I, I'm not like that. I, I don't have a small poverty mindset. Right? I have a kingdom mindset. And, and this is not a prosperity gospel in any way, shape, or form. But I do believe it's okay to have nice things. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? It's okay to have nice things. It's even okay to pursue having nice things as long as Jesus is first in your life. Right? Everything is in order. And um, so I'm reminded of what the book of uh, Psalms in, in chapter, nine, uh, chapter 9 verse 1 says. It says this. It says, Lord, you have been the place of comfort for all people of all time. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, forever and ever you are God. You change man into dust again and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your eyes are like yesterday when it passes by or like the hours of the night. The days of our life are 70 years or 80 if we have strength. Yet the best of them are only hard work and sorrow. For they are soon gone and we fly away. Teach us to understand how many days we have, then we will have a heart of wisdom to give to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we just pray for a heart of wisdom. Lord, we want to understand your word. We want to be led by your spirit. We want to have dominion over our flesh. And God, we give you dominion over 2023 in our future. God, be glorified today in all of our lives, in all of our hearts, in all of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord another hand of praise. Now, when I used to work in the automotive industry, it was one of the funnest times for me to evangelize. I love, love talking to people about Jesus. I mean, I, I get a kick out of it. I, I do. I, I love seeing their responses. I love navigating the conversation. Like, like, I love talking, like, like I'm a former Catholic, so I could say this, right? So I love talking to Catholics about Jesus. Um, because I always tell them, I was like, hey, man, you, you want to come and visit Restoration Life? They're like, no, 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 I'm a Catholic. And they're like, and I'm like, well, do you even know what Catholic means? They're like, well, no. And, and, and I know that, and, and I tell them, I go, do you understand that Catholicism actually came from Christianity? They just twisted some of the stuff up. Right? And, and, and made it heretical. Um, but not all of it is bad, but some, some of it is. And I said, but basically Catholic, the only thing Catholic means is the global church. And so I'm inviting you to God's global church. Right? And so I, have, I love having these conversations. I'm a people watcher. Anybody love watching people? I'm a people watcher. I love watching people. Like when I see people talking, I imagine the conversation that they're having and make it up. <laughs> like I love watching people. I'm a people watcher. But when I, when I used to work at... The shop, you know, uh, when you're in sales, you, you, you learn this tactic. Anybody in sales here this morning? Anybody in sales? You, you, you know this tactic, right? That the first step is to build rapport, right? The first step is to build rapport with people. And, and why do you want to build rapport with people? 
because you want them to to trust you. And, you know, some people take advantage of that, and, 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 and Christians should not, right? We want them to trust us because we want to do what's best for their family. And so, in fact, I mean, we were really blessed in our business because we always honored God and took care of people's families. That's why they always kept on coming back to us and referring people to us because they knew that we cared about the families. And actually had generations of people that would come to our shop because that's the way that they were. In fact, I went back to visit an old uh, shop that I, that I used to work at. And, and 10 years later, like after, like I'd already been pastor and I walked in. I was like, yeah, I need to talk to the owner. And he's like, well, who are you? And I said, my name's Eddie. And he's like, well, he's like, well Eddie who? And I was like, my name's Eddie Vargas. And he's like, oh, you're Eddie Vargas. He goes, you know, people still come and ask for you? Like, like, like kids of other parents and stuff. Like, I go, yeah, man, I love taking care of our community. That's just the way that we roll. And I just really believe that when you do things right, God blesses you. I, I believe that when you do things with character and integrity, God blesses you, right? So it's, it's, it's reciprocal. And one of the things that I used to love to ask people when I was building rapport with people, um, because when people came to my shop, it wasn't like a rim shop or a stereo shop or a paint shop. You know, these are all these things that people love, right? They, they love painting their cars. Or they love putting nice rims on their cars. They, they love putting like big systems in their cars. I had a transmission shop. You don't see a transmission, right? And if you do it right, unless you're a hot rodder, you barely feel a transmission, right? So nobody wants to spend money on a transmission. Plus it's a couple grand, right? To, to, to rebuild a transmission. And so usually when people came to my shop, they were already bitter. They're like, my car doesn't, and I'm like, hey, how can I help you? My car doesn't work. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. How, uh, can you tell me what's wrong? Well, it doesn't work. And I'm like, all right, let me check it out. Let me take a look at it. I'll give it to one of my guys. We'll, we'll do a road test. We'll figure it out, and uh, you know, I'll talk to you about it. And he's like, all right. So they're already bitter when they come and talk to me. Right? They're already mad. They're already upset. They know they have to spend money, and they don't want to spend money. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, so I give it off to, to the tech. And the first question I ask him is, hey, so what do you do for a living? And, 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 and in fact, I, I want to do this as a congregation for just a couple minutes, if this is, is, this is okay with you guys. For just a couple minutes, I want you to talk to somebody that you've never talked to right now and just ask him real quickly, what do you do for a living? Go ahead, go. What do you do for a living? Some of you are going to be shocked. You want to know what I do for, I lead the greatest church movement on the planet. That's what I do. What do you do for a living? I work at the grocery store. I'm a mechanic. I'm a carpenter. I'm a supermodel. I'm not working right now, but I'm a supermodel. What do you do for a living? I'm in tech. I work at a car dealership. I work at a dental place. I'm a dentist. Come on, what do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer. Some of you are like, I'm a domestic technician. That means housewife. That's okay. What do you do for a living? Come on, share, share. All right, here you dwindling down a little bit. Was anybody shocked by what you heard? No? I'm a professional break dancer. I'm a model, but I don't have any work right now. <laughs> like, what do you do for a living? I'm a school teacher. 
I mean, I'm a cashier. It doesn't matter. Like, what do I do? I flip burgers. It's cool. What do you do? All right. Here's the next question. What do you love about what you do? Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you love about what you do? Come on, tell them. I take care of puppies. I love puppies. Come on, we're getting to know each other today. Come on, share with somebody. Everybody should be talking to somebody. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. You're around family right now. What do you love about what you do? Some of you are like, I don't look, I hate my job. I don't like anything about it. I'm looking for a, a new job. Can you, can you put in a request? <laughs> I can't stand the people that I work with. <laughs> it's all good, come on. If you're staff members of Restoration Life, you better love your job right now. All right, all right, here we go. Cool, cool. Man, that's awesome. I, I love that you guys have learned a little bit more about each other. I love that. And, and, it, and for me, it's, you know, it's building rapport, like, love it. And, and then, after I would ask those two questions, I would ask this last question. All right, here's my next question. And I want you guys to ask each other this. What are you living for? Go ahead. Go ahead, talk it out. My wife said I have to be living for her. <laughs> like, what are you living for? I live for my kids. Go ahead. I'll be honest. What are you living for? Honest. Be honest. What are you living for? What are you living for? This is so cool. Somebody's making financial connections right now. Oh, you're a real estate agent, I need a house. Or you're a mechanic, my car's messed up. Or you're a dentist, check out my teeth. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm a makeup artist, I can help you. <laughs> Somebody else in here is like, I, 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 uh, I'm a trainer. Come see me. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. All right, let's bring it down. So I would ask these questions. And let me, let me tell you why I ask these questions. 
How many, of you, how many of you had to pause before you answered the last question? I think there was a lot of pauses, right? Because, I mean, the, the usual answer when I say, well, what are you living for? Um, a lot of people say, well, I'm living for, for my family. Like, I come from that generation. I come from that generation that, that worked really hard to give my family what I never had. Right? I, I come from that generation. Like, I come from the generation, I don't want my wife to work. I want my, my, my children to be raised by my wife, and I'm going to kill myself. That's how I'm going to show how much I love my family. I'm going to kill myself by how hard I work to give them everything I didn't have growing up. And then when they grew up, um, they, be, they became spoiled brats because they didn't have to work for anything. <laughs> Justine, if you're here, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? but, but, but we messed up the next generation. Right, because they were, they were entitled to everything because they didn't want, really have to work hard for much as young people. I, I, I was 11 years old working for the Daily Breeze on my GTPK Ripper throwing papers at me down the beach. Like I had a paper route. Like I, I've been working since I was 12 years old and I have not stopped since. Right, so I come from that generation. Right, but, but whenever I would ask that question, people would just stop and pause. And they were like, well, what do you mean, what am, I, what am I living for? Yeah, like, what are you living for? Or better yet, who are you living for? Well, that's easy for my, for my wife and kids. I'm living for my wife and kids. I want to give them a better life. I want to take care of them. You know, for, for women, I'm living for my children. I'm living, you know, for, for those of us that are empty nesters, kind of living for our grandchildren now. And, and, and you know, just, just loving life doing that. But, but it's, it's an honest question to ask because I think a lot of us would answer differently. A lot of us, you know, would answer a question like that, you know, um, like, you know, I, I, I'm living for me. I'm doing me. You know what I'm saying? Doing me, boo. You do you, boo. I do me. And people are like, well, me and God, you know, he does him. I do me. Yeah, I leave him alone. I, he leaves me alone. And I'm like, yeah, he'll leave you alone forever. Like all eternity. <laughs> when you think that way. Um, but a lot of people think um, that they live for career, and, and there's nothing wrong with building a career. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I built a career in the automotive industry, right? So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with building financial gain, um, but, but then it starts to get weird. You know, it starts getting into like status. You know, some people, some people want to be Insta-famous or TikTok-famous, which was, was unheard of 10 years ago. Like, unheard of, right? Many people live um, for other people's approval, like, I know really good people that, that pursued a career or pursued college credits or pursued, you know, uh, uh, accolades because they wanted to make their mom and dad happy. They wanted to make, they wanted the approval of mom and dad. Like, that was their thing. And so they didn't really live for themselves or they didn't really live for their own purpose. They lived for somebody else's purpose projected onto their lives. Um, many people live for other people's approval. Um, but if I were to ask you bluntly, what are you living for? Or better yet, who are you living for? How would you answer that? And today, when we think about giving God dominion over 2023, I, I want to unpack that as best as I can for the time that I have. But I want to look at that um, by, by looking at a question that Jesus asked his disciples. And we've, we've, we've covered this text in other, other messages before. But I, I want to look at what Jesus asked his disciples um, in Caesarea Philippi, in a Roman city located, located just north of the Sea of Galilee. And, and remember that all of Israel is buzzing right now. All of Israel is like, man, this 30-ish rabbi, young rabbi, like this guy's, 
incredible. Like he's doing miracles, signs and wonders. He's, he's teaching um, revelation. And, and nobody really knows him as the Christ. And nobody really recognize him, recognizes him as the Messiah as of yet. And people are saying things like, by what power does Jesus perform these miracles? And, and what does he want from us? And after a, a wave of popularity, um, now the nation's kind of divided. Israel's kind of divided about their opinion of this guy named Jesus who's a rabbi. And um, it's also true amongst the rich and the powerful whose opinions have shifted about Jesus and they're turning against him now. And knowing that all of this has to happen, Jesus understands that he has to be arrested. He understands that he has to be persecuted, that he has to be beaten to fulfill prophecy, that he has to go to the cross on our behalf and to redeem us and restore us back to himself. Um, he understands this. And Jesus gathers his disciple in a quiet place to draw out from them a deeper understanding that they had yet given it, even a deeper commitment that they had yet given to him. And here's Jesus asking the famous question in Matthew 16, 13. He says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? <clears throat> who do people say that I am? And Jesus is looking for a very specific response. He's just not looking for a cliche response. He's not looking for, you know, oh, you're this dynamic rabbi. He's not looking, you know, he's not, look, he's not even looking for what some of them even said. Well, some people think, you know, you're Elisha or Elijah. And some people think that you're John the Baptist. Come back, you know, some people believe this about you and that about you. Thank you. And, 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 and he's not looking for that. You know, kind of like when, when you ask people, how are they doing? Oh, they're like, oh, I'm doing great. But you know they're not. <laughs> right? It's, it's like when people come to the church, hey, bro, how's it going? Man? Oh, man, things are great, bro. My God is so good. But it doesn't look that way on your social media. And it doesn't look that way the way that you're carrying yourself. And, it did, like, and, and when you really, like, if, I mean, how are you doing is a loaded question. Right? And then you got, like, the hyper-spirituals. Right? The crazy, like, like crazy... Spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic, like, bro, how you doing? Well, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, brother. <laughs> the word of God is like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. You know, it's just like, like all these super spiritual responses, right? <laughs> God's not looking for your hyper-spiritual response to who he is, right? Who, who is Jesus to you? Is he, is he your redeemer? Is he your restorer? Is he your savior? Is he king? Is he judge, jury, and executioner? Like, what is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? This is what Jesus is asking his disciples. They've been hanging with him now, and he's asking them, who do people say that I am? And in Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And like this was this massive revelation that hit Peter. Because nobody else really understood that he was the Christ, which meant that he was the Messiah. That meant that he was the one 
that for thousands of years had been proclaimed that was coming and now is. You see, in the Old Testament, God revealed himself in fire, in a cloud, in glory. I mean, God rained fire down on Mount Carmel to ki and killed, you know, licked up, you know, an altar and, and had 450 prophets of Baal slain. God in the Old Testament caused the sun to stand still. God was in the fire with three Jewish boys in Babylon. God caused the Red Sea to split, right, for the armies of Egypt um, to be swallowed up by that. God caused, you know, the, 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 the walls of Jericho to come crumbling down. God uh, revealed himself in magnificent power and in awe, and yet, to a degree, he was only revealed to kings and prophets and priests, and, 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 and he was, like, to anybody be in his presence possibly meant, you know, their undoing, even Elijah. Or I'm sorry, Isaiah said, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips when he had this revelation of God, you know, lifted up in his temple. And, and now Jesus, the very manifestation of Jehovah God in the Trinity through Christ the Son is now standing with men and women, eating with them, talking with them, living with them, loving in, on them, and physically touching them with his very own hands. And blood issues being gone. Eyes being restored. Messed up hands being healed. Crippled. Now fixed. And all these miracles. Signs and wonders. And Jesus is like, who do men say that I am? And the only one that truly has a revelation of that is Simon Peter. And, and Jesus responds with, wow. Man has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father has revealed this to you. And so I'd like to make a quick point here, because I don't have a lot of time, but I, I need to try to drive some of this home. What is Jesus looking for? I think that Jesus is looking for an accurate response to who he is to them. And so when I ask you, who is Jesus to you? I believe God is looking for an accurate response of who he is to you. Not just any response. Oh, he's my Lord and Savior, right? Not just any response. Not what everybody wants to hear. But an accurate, heartfelt truth that comes deep from deep within our souls. That carries a life-changing conviction to be fully devoted to God and his plan over our lives. I believe that's what God is looking for. And hear me clearly, because Jesus is looking for more than my confession. Jesus is looking for my commitment in my confession. Because confession will get you to a place where you experience salvation. But you cannot have a confession of Christ without having an attachment of a commitment to Christ. This is how Jesus puts the issue in Mark 8.34. He says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. This is the commitment. Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life 
will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it if someone gained the whole world and forfeits their soul? Well, how do you forfeit your soul? You don't take up your cross and follow Jesus. You pursue the life that you've always wanted in the way that you've always planned it. And you care more about gain in this world than gain in the next world. There is an eternity that you and I looking forward to. But if all we think is that we're living and working for this life, we've got it all wrong and we've got it all twisted. Jesus says, when you try to save your life, you're gonna lose it. But when you lose your life, for me, when you fully commit your life to me, that's when you actually gain the life that I have for you. A life that's filled with his abundance. Not just in this life, but even more so in the next. And that's where the commitment comes in because I think far too many people have no problem confessing Jesus. In fact, our church in Atlanta is surrounded by a bunch of people that confess Jesus but don't serve Jesus. And I want you to hear this clearly. I have a problem with people who confess Jesus but don't serve Jesus. Because their confession is empty if it doesn't carry a commitment to God. Everybody tracking with me so far, right? In order for you to save your life, you must lose your life. But if you try to save your own life and create your own life, you're gonna make a bad thing of your life. Because at some point, every single one of us are gonna stand before God and God's gonna say, what did you do with the blood of my son Jesus over your life? One day that's gonna happen for all of us. One day we're all gonna stand before God's throne and we're gonna have to give an account for how committed we were to Jesus. Or, that we, or did we have an empty confession that really was counterfeit Christianity. I'm gonna give you the PEV translation of Mark 8:34. And I know the media team is going, we couldn't find the translation anywhere. That's okay, I got it. PEV translation, you ready? Now that you know who I am, this is Jesus. Now that you know who I am, I know I'm going to get emails after this. Now that you know who I am, are you ready to take up your cross and follow me? Before you answer, let me warn you that by following me, it will seem in the eyes of the world as if you're wasting your life away. The people of this world will never understand what you're doing. It'll seem to them that by following me, you're throwing your life away. You'll always have another option. You can try to save your own life by following your own desires. Lots of people do that. They live as their career was all that mattered. They live for this world and not eternity that I want to give you. But the people who live for this life, in the end, they will find that they wasted it on things that really didn't matter. They try to save it by living for themselves, but in the end, they will lose it. They have wasted their lives on trivial pursuits, but if you follow me, know this. Though the way will not be easy and you'll often be misunderstood in the end, you will save your life. And the people who laugh at you now will not be laughing at you then. 
They will see that you were right and they were wrong. After all, what good will it do if you become the richest man or the richest woman in the world or climb to the top of the corporate ladder or rise to the highest salary level in your company or win the applause of the world? What good would that all do if in the end you find that that was all a waste of time? What good would that shiny new thing do for you then? Will you be able to trade it in for another life, an eternal life? No, you won't. But if you want to live that way, go ahead. Millions of people do. In the end, they will be sorry, but by then it will be too late for them to do anything about it. So what will it be? Will it be the cross or your way in the world? This is why I believe that if you really want to give God your best in 2023, then you have to, have him, you have to give him dominion over 2023. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God, that's awesome. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for our confession. But then Hebrews 10, 23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Ah, now there's a commitment attached to the confession. For he who promised is faithful. So listen to this. Salvation, I'm sorry, confession is vital for salvation, but, but commitment is essential for you fulfilling your purpose. You say it again. Confession is vital for your salvation, but your commitment is essential for you to fulfill your purpose. God didn't just save you to put you inside of a church to give him glory on Sundays. God saved you, set you free, and redeemed you back to himself, filled you with his Holy Spirit, deposited giftings to equip you for the purpose and the plan that he has for your future. And that is lived out every single day of our lives. And that moves beyond our confession into a place of commitment. Can somebody say amen? amen. You see, I believe, I thank God. <laughs> I thank God. I remember, and, and, and forgive me if I always share this, but it is like yesterday to me. I remember when I responded to an altar call for salvation and gave God my confession. But I did not walk away from that altar without giving him my commitment. And that was to pick up my cross, to die to myself daily, deny myself daily, and follow him. And it was in that commitment that I had been given not only the authority, but the power to sever toxic ties from my past. Because as you have heard, right, all my friends wanted something from me, but the church and God wanted something for me. God wanted something for me. Like, you know who's toxic in your life if they're just trying to get something from you. And the moment that you can't supply what their, what their toxicity or their addiction needs from you, all of a sudden, you're the bad guy. You're the bad girl. But when you start severing those ties, you start feeling the freedom, like there's weight 
that's being cast off of you. And all of a sudden, now you're able to run this race that God called you to run. I thank God, not just for my confession, but I thank God that I was able to give my commitment 33 years ago because I've been walking in the blessing of that 33 years later. And if you are here this morning and you've confessed to Jesus that he is Lord and Savior, thank God for that. But let me just say, that's not enough. Because I've seen a lot of people confess Jesus and walk out and live like the devil. Not anybody in this room right now. But I've seen it happen over and over again. And I always ask, like, why? Like, why aren't you living triumphantly? Like, why aren't you living in the goodness of God? I'm not saying life is easy because it won't be. In fact, it might even get harder. But man, God's grace is there to see us through. His Holy Spirit is there with us every step of the way. Why do we sabotage ourselves so much by lacking in commitment? So when I think about Restoration Life and I think about 2023, and I think about all the wonderful things that our teams have set up and prepared for our church to be equipped. It's the reason why we go to Life Group, because we're committed. It's the reason why we go to RLU, because we need to know our Bible. Because if you don't know your Bible, you won't know how to fight in the Spirit. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's the weapon of our warfare, not the only weapon. But can I tell you that when Jesus was fasting and praying in the wilderness, and he fought Satan, what do you think he used? Now, hear me clearly, because I know we're a presence-driven church, and we're like, but isn't worship our weapon? Yes, it is. But I didn't see Jesus sing a hill song, or a Bethel song, or any song in the wilderness. Jesus said, it is written. Every time he took out a sword, he was like, it is written, Satan. Because he knew how to use his weapon of warfare. And if Christians don't know their Bible, they don't know Jesus. And if, be, if Christians don't study their Bible, they won't, their faith won't be increased. Because faith comes by worship? No. By God's word. By hearing God's word. And applying God's word. And living God's word. I'm not talking to anybody here. Right? So why do you think we want biblically literate Christians because we want soldiers of the kingdom that know how to fight. Worship is cool. I'm not down in our worship team or anything. It's one of my favorite weapons. But I know my Bible. And so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't show up, you know, to a gunfight with a guitar. <laughs> I show up with my sword. Am I talking to anybody? So when I think about the goodness of God and all that he's done for me, my soul does cry out hallelujah. But you can't have a confession without a commitment. Now hear me clearly. You cannot have a commitment without sacrifice. Living for Jesus is sacrificial. The moment you think you could remove sacrifice out of serving God, you're, you're, you're not a Christian. You're a Hare Krishna. That's what you are. 
getting another email right now. Right now, right now, getting another email right now. That's why it's so easy for me to serve God. Because I understand all this, and I want you to understand all this. You know, before I became a Christian, I was a pothead. Smoked smoke weed every single day of my life. Like, like since I was 12 almost. Like, just pass the duchy on the left-hand side. Just, like, keep passing it. Like, I, I was a pot dealer, pot smoker. I spent so much money on pot. Anybody with me on that? Come on, be honest. Be honest. Some of you don't want to raise your hands because your parents are here. Okay, that's cool. You're saved now. You're committed now. I, 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 not only was I pot smoker, I, I had an account at the liquor store. Legit. Like, I was like, hey, Habibi, can I get like two cases of whatever? And don't be mad. I'm not profiling. That was his name. Okay? I was like, hey, Habibi, can I get two cases? Yeah, no problem, Eddie, but go for it. Just take it. I'm like, all right, just sign my name on it. Come in Friday. I paid for it. I was a loyal customer to the devil. I had no problem spending hundreds of dollars getting drunk getting high, and then to take off the edge, a little eight ball on the weekend didn't hurt anybody. And how much was that? $350 back then. I don't know how much it is now, but, and, and I would pack my two, you know, I can still do it. Pack my cigarettes, get the nicotine to come down. I don't smoke anymore, babe. I don't smoke anymore. I'd throw a little bit of like, like a little 25 spot in there, twist it, cocoa puff, take off the edge. Honestly, that was me. That was my life. That was my life. I spent thousands of dollars getting lit. Thousands. And don't, don't get me started at the club or with the motorcycles or with the, whatever. Don't get me started on that stuff. Why do you think it's so easy for me to pay my tithe? I'm saving money. Do you think I'd be all in for Satan and not be all in for Jesus? Like if I could be crazy for the devil and live this jacked up life and knew that I was going to hell, but my Jesus went to the cross to give me life and life more abundantly, do you think I have a problem tithing and giving and serving and worshiping and preaching and being bold wherever I go? If I was bold for the devil, you don't think I'm gonna be even more bold for Jesus? Why? How? Because I'm committed. I'm committed. Now, I don't mind living sacrificially. I remember what it was like to be an addict. I, I remember what it was like to be broken and alone. I was alone being surrounded by a lot of people. And now my God walks with me every day. Are you kidding me? Man, this is the best life. I am living the best life I could live. But it's only made possible because I've surrendered all to Jesus. And I promise you, if you give God 2023, it'll be your best life because it's your best life spiritually. Like when holy comes, I'm not, oh, there's a registration. Like you go see Prince and it costs you 150 bucks a ticket. And now you got a problem coming to a women's discipleship that's gonna equip you to be a better woman of God. You go see Beyonce, no problem. Spend all the money in the world. Get all the t-shirts. And now you got to give something to go to a conference. You're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The devil is a liar. <laughs> right? We're doing a marriage retreat at the end of this year in October. 
We're taking our, our married couples on a cruise to Mexico. It's gonna cost you a little bit money, but it's gonna make your marriage better. Put the investment in. Remember what you used to invest in? Put the investment in your marriage. We're, we're doing all this so that you grow stronger and stronger in Jesus, but it doesn't come without sacrifice and it doesn't come without commitment, but it starts with confession. So if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, today you confess that this is gonna be your best life, but you're gonna commit to God in 2023. You're gonna give him your time. You're gonna give him your talent. You're gonna give him your treasure. You're gonna give him all of you. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with everything that's within you, with all your heart, mind, and soul. And you're committing to that this year. And if you want the kind of year that God has prepared for you, then you're gonna to have to make sacrifices that make you uncomfortable. Because we want his presence over our preferences. And if that's you, raise your hand real quickly, real quick. All right. You're raising your hand. I want you to get out of your seat. I love what Pastor Nick said the other night. It's at the altar where God alters you. And so you're confessing. You're confessing. You're making a confession today. This is going to be my best year. This, is, this year, my marriage is going to thrive. This year, my family is going to thrive. This year, my business is going to thrive. This year, my calling is going to thrive. This year, my... My, my, my walk with God is going to thrive because I am making a commitment to give God 2023. He's going to have dominion over me, my family, my children, my business, my future, my everything. I give it to you, God. I'm picking up my cross. I'm confessing that today. I'm making a commitment to that today. But I know that I have to present myself like a living sacrifice. And if that's you, come on, come to this altar. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Our worship, our, our, our prayer warriors are going to be here. Our leaders will be here. You, come on, stand to your feet, sing with us, worship with us. Let's give God our best this morning. Come on, let's confess that to Jesus today. Come on.
Spirit, we know that you're in this place. God, we give you dominion. Lord, we get out of the way. We give you dominion over our lives. If there's anyone here this morning who has never accepted Jesus, who's never made a confession to become born again, to repent of your past, turn your life into God, and to start walking this life of faith with Jesus, and you're here today, I want you to know right now that you're so important and that all of heaven rejoices when one turns away from this world and gives their heart to God. And if that's you today and you want to be born again, you want to accept Jesus Christ, not just as Savior, but as King. Not a religion, but a relationship with a God that loves you so much that he wasn't willing that you or I would perish, but he gave his son die on an old rugged cross to be the very payment for man's sin to redeem us back to himself and if you want the kind of life that I'm talking to you about it's not I'm not here to sugarcoat it it's not going to be easy it's not going to come without its pitfalls it's not going to come without its attacks in fact it might even get harder before it gets easier as you mature in Christ but if you would confess Jesus today, I promise you it is the best first step that you can make to walking with Christ as you commit your heart and your life to him and walk sacrificially as a disciple, as a fully devoted follower of Christ. And if that's you and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Or maybe you're backslidden, you've fallen away, but you wanna come back to the Lord today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand Say, I need Jesus in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you over here. Thank you over here. Anybody up there? I can't, I can't really see all that much. I see that hand. God bless you. I, I want you to know that heaven sees that hand as well. And I want you to know that God sees your heart and God sees you right now. And so if, if, if you would allow me, I, I'd love to pray with you. And I'd like for you to repeat this prayer after me, but you're not saying it to me, you're saying it to God. Because he's the only one that could save you. I, I could introduce you, but the life that you'll live, you'll live with him. Amen. And, and if you mean that with all your heart, with all your mind, you're like, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm ready. All right. Let's pray. Come on. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you died on that cross and you resurrected from the dead for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen my faith. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my life. I surrender to you. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, I want to welcome you to the family of God.